Welcome in to the newest edition of the Just In Time Sports Podcast. I am your host, Justin Jackson, and in this week's episode, we'll be talking about the NFL as it was going down there in the playoffs. We'll have our NFL betting segment, Jack's Pack. We will have some NBA talk, and we will have our best for last. Now, as always, don't forget to follow the social media handle at JTime Sports. I repeat, at JTime Sports. You'll pull up. You'll see the Black Crown logo. Similar to the podcast, you all see my face next to it. Uh, so that's how you know it is us, or me, rather. And uh, don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to the Just In Time Sports Podcast on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Now, I hope you guys sit back and get ready to learn something. Welcome into the show. I am absolutely excited, as you guys can hear. Um, big news out of Louisiana, which is my home state, obviously. Uh, sports betting is now live, legal, and well in terms of mobile betting. I have played several bets this morning um, through the Caesars app. I use Caesars so far, but also, of course, we got FanDuel. Of course, you've got uh, BetMGM. Um, but mobile sports app betting is officially live and well in the state of Louisiana. Um, cause you guys know we had it at first. We had it with, uh, LaBerge Casino in Baton Rouge, LaBerge in Lake Charles. Um, there's a couple other places, Paragon Casino in Marksville. A couple other places had their betting license, but you physically had to go to the casino. Now you don't have to leave your home. Uh, I know Barstool is LaBerge's contract. So if you're in the Barstool Sports and you like their numbers, you stay with Barstool Sports. But instead of having to go to LaBerge to do it, you can physically do it on the app. Um, huge news out of state Louisiana. Right in time for conference championship game. Right in time for peak NBA. It'll be booming, I'm sure, for college football. Um, and so what an absolutely major, major uh, landmark news. Like I said, it went live this morning. Um, I got the email about 8.50 something. So um, absolutely huge news out of state Louisiana, but not nearly as big as the NFL divisional round, which was the greatest weekend of NFL playoff football ever. I don't care who you want to have the argument with. You're not having it with me because that was it. And I actually defy you to show me that that was a weekend better than that. Um, all three games ended on the last play of the game. Three walk-off field goals and an overtime touchdown. Um, all three games provided excellent quarterback play. All three games provided, all four games rather, provided storyline. All four games provided context. All four games provided something historically happening to an all-time either all-time or potentially all-time level quarterback. And we're going to start off with the only guy that I'm going to say is potentially due to the fact that he doesn't have the high-level success yet, and that was Joe Burrow's Bengals beating the Tennessee Titans. This game was wild, and it was wild. It was the worst game of the weekend de facto, quote-unquote, but it was wild. The Cincinnati Bengals allowed Joe Burrow to get sacked nine times, and they kept running scat protection. If you don't know what scat protection is, that is where only the five offensive linemen is blocking. So that's no tight end blocking, no running back help. That's five eligibles into the field. If you watch 2019 LSU, um, Joe Brady was a big fan of that. Uh, so the, and Clemson knew that in the championship game and blitzed Joe Brady out of it. Ultimately, he went with uh, chipping with tight ends or having Clyde Edwards-Hilaire block. But back to the game, 
the Bengals were getting annihilated. I mean, Jeffrey Simmons had like three or four sacks himself. Uh, Bud Dupree got in on the action. They sent a corner. I think he got a sack. I mean, the Tennessee Titans were able to physically beat on Joe Burrow for three and a half hours. And Joe Burrow won the game. And that is what I meant when I spoke about when I spoke about this game last week. What did I say? I said the game, if Derrick Henry is normal ish and Joe Mixon's production can equal it, I've got the Bengals because Joe Burrow is better than Ryan Tannehill. Joe Burrow got sacked nine times. He outplayed Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill played poorly in that game, saying one very good throw, better catch, but very good throw to A.J. Brown down the sideline for a touchdown. Where A.J. Brown basically caught it with one hand on his hip and never really turned around so the DB had no chance at it. Ryan Tannehill threw that game away. If you were to go to the Bengals, if you were to go to the Tennessee Titans coaching staff, offensive, defensive, special teams, analyst, general manager, owner, and you say, we're going to sack Joe Burrow nine times, he's not going to get to 20 points. And we are going to have what one turnover on offense maybe two they would look management would look you in the face and say we won that game and it's at home everyone would look you in the face and say Tennessee Titans are hosting the AFC Championship game versus either the Kansas City Chiefs or the Buffalo Bills unfortunately Ryan Tannehill decided he's not going to do that Ryan Tannehill decided he doesn't want to do that Ryan Tannehill goes 15 to 24, 220, one touchdown, three picks, with a QBR of 10.4 and a passer rating of 66.7. For context, QBR's max is 100 and passer rating's uh, max is 158.3. That's what I call bad Ryan Tannehill because Derrick Henry, 20K for 62 yards. Uh, Devontae, Deontay Foreman had four carries for 66 yards, but all in all, they rushed for 140. The Bengals rushed for 65, but Joe Mixon had 54, and Derrick Henry had 62. And I said that was the matchup the Bengals had to keep close. Um, Joe Burrow, conversely, while getting sacked nine times, went 28 of 37, 348 yards, no touchdowns, one pick, a QBR of 28.2, and a passer rating of 93.1. Uh, his QBR is so low due to the fact of you know getting sacked nine times. Ultimately, it came down to two drives. It came down to Joe Burrow needing a score and getting it. Ryan Tannehill needing needing points in a, to end the game through throws and intercepts, which I still don't know what he was looking at. I, I legitimately want to ask him. I'm going to ask him, Ryan Tannehill, if you're hearing this podcast, what in the hell were you looking at? Just send me the clip. Just DM me the clip. Any Titans fans out there, DM me the clip highlight the circle show me where at what point that pass was a good idea i didn't see it maybe i missed it i don't see everything i can admit that i need to know where he was throwing that ball because i didn't see it on the replay i didn't see it the announcer crew i believe it was aikman aikman didn't see it where did they what where why did he throw that pass i have no idea but conversely he threw it because he's ryan Tannehill. He threw it. Interception. Joe Burrow gets him in field goal range. Evan McPherson walks it off. Now he's the most sold out jersey in Cincinnati, but walks it off. Ball game. Tennessee Titans goes home. One and done in the playoffs after getting a first seed with no Derrick Henry. Mike Vrabel uh, and his coach of the year candidacy. It's over. It was voted on already, but it's going to look real rough 
when the coach of the year wins zero playoff games. Um, it's going to look real rough. You know what's going to look even more rough or rougher or tougher? When the MVP won zero playoff games, because that is exactly the feat Aaron Rodgers accomplished all of three and a half hours later. And let's talk about it. So the Tennessee Titans, I mean, the, the, the Green Bay Packers, I'm sorry, they were the one seed. They were the one seed. Aaron Rodgers got a home field back through Lambeau, a chance to right or wrong. He got an opportunity to correct the mistake last year when Tom Brady threw three picks basically on back-to-back possessions and Aaron Rodgers got three points out of it. They had an opportunity to right or wrong, to make the road to the Super Bowl go through the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. There was a cool TikTok where the Packers like blew a bubble and just let it sit on the little ring you blow it in and it froze and broke. The bubble froze, the liquid bubble froze and then broke. Why? Because it was like zero degree windshield. It felt like zero. It was an absolutely dream scenario for Aaron Rodgers. At a certain point, the snow starts to fall. It's freezing. They're playing a team from California. And Aaron Rodgers wet the bed. Aaron Rodgers folded. Aaron Rodgers tapped out. He threw his rock star sign and left the field. Oh, wait, I'm, I'm sorry. He played three quarters before that where he basically wet the bed. Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers marched down the field on the opening possession. Touchdown. Here come the Packers. And I know several, and I do mean several Packers fans. I do a podcast with them on Sunday mornings. Check it out. Sports to Better Network podcast, football Sunday mornings, comes about 9 a.m. on YouTube. Check it out, live stream. The, the panel, my co-host, July, and Caleb are Packers fans, so I'm going to be on them heavily this Sunday. But they were, man, we're, we rolling now, we rolling now, we rolling now. The Green Bay Packers scored that touchdown against San Francisco 49ers on the opening drive. The opening drive, they scored it. Uh, in five minutes and 35 seconds. So with 9.25 left in the first quarter, the Green Bay Packers scored a touchdown. A.J. Dillon, six-yard rush. 7-0 Packers. For the next 54 minutes and 25 seconds, the Green Bay Packers scored three points. Three freaking points. How? You have Aaron bleeping Rodgers. And you score three points over the next 54 minutes? It was a Mason Crosby 33-yard field goal with 11.27 left. That was that was the rest of the points. After A.J. Dillon's score was 9.25 in the first, they did not get another scoring play until 11.27 in, in the fourth quarter. Not one. It was 0-7 in the first, 3-7 in the second, uh, 10-10, and then 13-10, 49ers. I am actually flabbergasted. And I picked the Packers to win the game. Picked them to cover the five and a half. Um, but I am absolutely lambasted, flabbergasted. Appalled, shot, led astray, run amok, bamboozled in the hoodwinked. Aaron Rodgers folded like a tent. 
he went now his numbers look decent 20 or 29 to 25 no touchdowns no picks 19.4 qbr remember max is 150s average and a 91.9 passer rating he protects that ungodly touchdown interception ratio why no touchdowns no picks the ratio doesn't change Aaron, Aaron Jones, and now let's dive into these numbers. Aaron Rodgers had 20 completions. Remember that. He had 20 completions. Aaron Jones has nine of them for a buck 29. No touchdowns, obviously. And a long of 75 yards. We're on 10 targets. Now remember, now remember, that's 75 yards on one play. So if you take that 75 yards out, Aaron Rodgers throws for 150 yards in a playoff game. And it was a coverage bust right before the half ended that set up a missed field goal, a block field goal, Mason Crosby. But 75 yards in the half on a busted coverage. So in earnest, he threw for 150 yards on 19 attempts. And Aaron Jones' numbers comes down to eight catches, about 50 yards, 54 yards. Yeah, 10 targets. Devontae Adams, nine catches, 90 yards on 11 targets. I would get obviously no touchdowns. So, out of 27 targets, uh, 29 attempts, you have 22 of your targets, 21 of your targets to two people Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams. All right. Adam Lazar, Adam Lazar, one target. Mercedes Lewis, one target. Um, Randall Cobb, one target. DeGorio, one target. Daphne, I don't know what the hell that is. Two targets. You folded like a cheap tent. Because Jimmy Garoppolo had 131 passing yards and a, and a pick with a QBR of 12. Jimmy Garoppolo had a QBR of 12 and beat Aaron Rodgers in a playoff game. And now he's talking about, I don't want to be part of a rebuild. I don't want to be, uh, so uh, you know, I don't I don't know if I'm going to play next year. We're going to see. Oh, the melodramatic BS that we're used to, Aaron. Come on, man. We're doing, I'm not doing this song to dance with you again. I did it last offseason. You got me. You got me. Kudos to you. I played the song and dance. I was part of the horse and pony show. I was ready to go. Because I was excited. Aaron Rodgers could leave. Russell Wilson could leave. Deshaun Watson could leave. I'm just looking at all these quarterbacks with these big billings could be in new locations. It would be amazing. It would be like Madden Fantasy Drafts. Aaron Rodgers went nowhere. Oh, wait. No, wait. I, I didn't mean to talk about his playoff. I meant he didn't leave the Packers. What a joke. What a joke of a playoff game. He should be embarrassed, but instead he's going to blame others, which is fine. But you got 10. Earnestly, you earned 13. Mason Crosby screwed you on a field goal. But you honestly earned 13. Regardless, you got everything you wanted. Home playoff game. You got a warm weather team. You got it in Lambeau. You got the snow. You got the froze. You got the freeze. And you froze. Good job, Aaron. But yeah, remember, blame everyone else, though. Don't forget. But then Sunday rolls around, and the games got interesting. Holy moly, the games on Sunday. So these games were great. Like I said, it was more of defensive kind of struggles in the first game. Poor offense, kind of defense struggles. But the games on Sunday, line them up and go with the offense. Rams and Bucks. So Rams and Bucks is a wild thing. So Rams and Bucks start off in a situation where the Rams are annihilating the Bucks. We we all watched it. Rams get a field goal. Okay, three nothing, whatever. 
Rams get a touchdown. Okay, 10-0. Bucks get a field goal right for the end of the first quarter. Cool, here come the Bucks. It'll balance out. Touchdown Rams, 17-3. Field goal Rams, 20-3. And I think the biggest play, or was going to be the biggest play of that game, happened right before the end of the second quarter. They were exchanging back and forth. Bucks turned the ball over. The Rams get it with a minute and some change left. Basically in dagger mode. If they score a touchdown against 27-3 for halftime, ball game. Cam Akers fumbles. And it was almost not even ruled a fumble. They had to review it to realize the ball was moving before the top of his head touched the ground. Fumble, Bucks ball, because the Bucks had a clear recovery. Bucks ball. And the Bucks ultimately ended up kneeing away into the halftime. Saves the game. Because then they come out and the Rams score a touchdown. The Bucks three and out. Rams score a touchdown. Remember, it would have been 34 to 3, and it's really over. Field goal Bucks. Touchdown Bucks. Touchdown Bucks. Touchdown Bucks. So now it is 27-27. In between these touchdowns, we have two Cooper Cup fumbles. We have a fumble or a pick, one of the two, by the Bucks, only to then turn around and Matt Stafford gets the ball snapped past his face. Um, or past his hand, really wasn't even looking. Ball goes past his hand. Bucks gained 30 yards somehow on a possession, on a possession change of two turnovers. Um, you can, the crowd gets back into a roar. Sacks are coming from everywhere now. The defense is playing great. It felt 20 to 3. And ironically, the announcing crew was like, man, doesn't this game, he said, Tom Brady probably went to halftime saying, I was down at. I'm going to tell you a story about how I was down 28-3. And it was 27-3. And here come the Bucks, And the Bucks are charging. And the Bucks are charging. And they tie the game on a Leonard Fournette nine-yard rush with 42 seconds left. I kid you not. When he broke around the right side edge, I was yelling to the TV, fall. Don't score. Play for overtime. That's pretty much how I was saying because I'm like, your defense is doing well, but in a situation where they have to gun it, Odell Beckham and Cooper Cup are better than Carlton Davis and Sean Murphy Bunting. I mean, I'm just, and Jamel Dean. Like, I'm just being honest there. So, in a situation where they have to throw, I would I would have fallen down. If I'm Leonard Fortinet, I would have had in the heads, I would have been telling them, if you get around the edge and you're about to score, get down. We're punching in on a QB sneak. We're going to call a timeout with about seven seconds left, punching in on a QB sneak. We had, they had two timeouts, so punch in the QB sneak. If it doesn't work, do it again. Um, basically, play for overtime. And Fournette scampers around, gets in the end zone, scores. Can't get mad at the guy for scoring. So, the tie ball game, 40 seconds left. Stafford gets the ball. Cooper Cup annihilates the corner. I don't know who it is. Annihilates him on the route, makes him fall, out of bounds, good completion. Now, the first play actually was a sack. It was a second of the Stafford fumbles it. And he didn't fumble it, but his knees to the ground, the ball comes out, but luckily break, he fell on it anyway, it didn't matter. Second play of the drive, Cooper Cup does the route I was referring to, breaks off the corner. The third route, the third play of the drive, is an absolute coverage bust. No one can definitively say what happened. Shannon Sharp believes it was a bomb blitz not picked up by the middle linebacker somehow, and so there was no pressure. So he wasn't guarding anybody, and there was no real pressure. Greg Cosell believes it truly wasn't a bomb blitz, but it was some kind of thirds coverage, some kind of cover three style defense. And the corner, the safety who got burned, 
decided to try to guard the post. He jumped the post for some reason and let Cup run by him. So I thought it was a, some kind of I thought it was a slot corner blitz. It looked like a slot corner blitz, some kind of cover two. And for some reason, the safety let Cooper Cup on the inside. Whatever reason it was, Cooper Cup big bomb down the field in field goal range, and Matt Gay walks it off for a 30-yard field goal. Um, it ends the Buccaneer season, potentially ending Tom Brady's career. Um, and Matt Stafford gets his second playoff win and advances to the NFC Championship game, where he would host the San Francisco 49ers. It'd be NFC West Part 3. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. And then the game. You had no time to recover. Like, literally no time. Like, I'm eating a cookie. I'm eating, like, crumble cookie. Uh, drinking some water. Trying to get my life back together. And Chiefs and Bills start. And, oh, my God. When I I thought the Rams and Bucks going to be the best game of the weekend. All right. And going into the weekend, I predicted Bills and Rams would be the game of the weekend. I mean, Bills and Chiefs would be the game of the weekend. But after that, Bucks near ultimate collapse and Brady almost doing it again. I'm saying there's literally no way, literally no way that the Chiefs and the Bucks and the Chiefs and the uh, Chiefs and the Bills rather can top it. They said hold both my beers. That was a game. Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. First of all, I want to give kudos to both quarterbacks. You're the best quarterbacks in the league. Figure it out after that. The best two quarterbacks going right now are Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Debate who's one and two. Although Mahomes probably has the edge. Figure it out after that. Justin Herbert's up there. Um, Aaron Rodgers is up there. Russell Wilson's up there. Joe Burrow is up there. Um, Kyler Murray's up there. Lamar Jackson's up there. But those two that went to war in Arrowhead Stadium, those are the best two. Figure it out after that. Um, for comparison state, Josh Allen, 27-37, 329 yards, four touchdown passes, no picks, QB off 90 on a scale of 0 to 100, pass rating of 136. Patrick Mahomes did 33 of 44, 378, three touchdowns, no picks, QB off 96 with a pass rating of 123.1. Also, Patrick Mahomes ran for 69 yards on a touchdown. Josh Allen ran for 68 yards. They went at it. Um, Gabe Davis was almost the MVP. Dude had four touchdown catches. The first receiver to ever have four touchdown catches in a playoff game was Gabriel Davis of the Buffalo Bills. That is going to win you a trivia question one day, and you can thank me whenever you win it. I'd, I'd like a 10% of your winnings. Just saying, whenever you win that trivia contest, who's the, who's the only receiver to ever have four touchdown passes in a playoff game? Gabriel Davis, Buffalo Bills. You probably get a bonus point for saying the team. Um, I don't know how it works a lot of times. That would be, that is just insane what, what he was doing, especially at Robert. He broke the guy off on a post. Ridiculous. But Patrick Mahomes in that game redefined what it meant to be too much time. Gabriel Davis did the route of the century and scored his fourth touchdown with 13 seconds left. Tony Romo on the broadcast, all credit Tony Romo on the broadcast, said, I would kick it short here, Jim, because that way they either have to boil time or if they just have to fair catch it, they're closer than the 25. If you boot it through the end zone, they're 25-yard line, no, and they don't burn any time. The Chiefs had all three timeouts, so the whole field's available. It's not a situation like Dallas 
had no timeouts. So the 49ers literally just got the end zone on the sideline because if you run through the middle, you're not going to get another snap off, more than likely. So Tony proposed, I would kick it short. Basically, it's some kind of pooch kick to about the 15 or the 10. That way, he either has to return it and burn time, or he fair catches it and you've lost 10 to 15 yards um, when it comes down to field position. The Bills do not do that. The Bills do not do that at all. They keep through the end zone. Conventional wisdom. Conventional wisdom stays 13 seconds. I don't care how many timeouts you have. You can't get in the field range from 25-yard line. Patrick Mahomes said, hold my beer. First pass, completion, Tyree Hill. Gets him to about 35-ish. 35-ish, 40-ish. Apparently, and they call a timeout. Because, again, they had all three timeouts. Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes talk on the sideline. Travis straight up tells Patrick, look, I'm probably not going to run the route they call. Instead, I'm going to just run to an open spot. They get up to the field and they align. The Bills align outside. So Pat sees it. Oh, if Travis just runs straight, he's going to get a lot of yards. And he yells at Patrick, do it, do it. Travis, do it. Basically saying, do, do, the, do the route. Don't run the route. Run to the open spot. Because Pat sees the open spot as right in front of Travis. For some reason, they do not line anybody up with Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey literally runs straight. Patrick passes the ball. They get in the field goal range. Kick the field goal to send in the overtime. As we know, it happens in overtime. Bills lose the toss. Josh Allen calls tails. Never call tails. Bills lose the toss. Patrick Mahomes goes down and scores. Hit Travis Kelsey again. Ball game. Chiefs win 42-36. And of course, this led to a bunch, and I do mean a bunch, of gripe about the overtime rules, and they should change it, and that both teams should get the ball. The defense gets paid too. They make really good salaries. Um, I very well remember uh, the Buffalo Bills safeties, uh, Jordan Poirier and Micah Hyde, being very, very excited um, before the New England Patriots game. Very, I mean, very excited. Over the moon, joyous, really, uh, before the Patriots game. Jumping up and down, getting hype. Oh, we're about to go do this, and they're running ends tonight, and da 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 da, and all that other nonsense they were spewing. And they destroyed the Patriots, rightfully so. Good kudos for them. But it seemed like they were a lot more excited to guard Jacoby Myers and Hunter Henry and Gunnar Olszewski than they were Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. And Miko Hartman, just pointing that out. They were way more excited to try and stop Mac Jones than they were Patrick Mahomes, just pointing that out. Um. So those guys had a lot of energy, and kudos for them. I would love to see the pregame hype video for the Chiefs. Just saying, as a, as a Patriots fan, I would love to see it. Um, but those guys really got torched, honestly. Got abused there. Um, but those guys get paid. Those guys get paid salary. No one's griping about the team should have extra time when it's 10-3 and in the regulation. Because no one wants to see the offense. It, I know it's an offensive league. Why? Because chicks dig the long ball and chicks dig offense. And so offense is the is the way of the league. That's what makes money. That's what sells. What advertisers love. They Advertisers love 38-35 Super Bowls. Why? Because all the TV that tune in anyway, but then the casual fan might scroll by and see, oh, it's 27-27, start of the fourth. Let me stop to see how this finishes. Well, now those fourth quarter ads get even more eyes than they were supposed to. Um, but... What an absolute amazing show. Um, do not change the overtime rule, please. The defense gets paid too. If Buffalo doesn't allow Kansas City to get in field goal range in 13 seconds, we're not having this conversation. Um, so that is my thoughts on the greatest 
divisional rock weekend the greatest divisional weekend football ever uh the greatest weekend of football ever like i say a hundred percent rate of walk-off scores um to win the game insane um crazy crazy we can set up two amazing conference championship games which we'll talk about in a second which we'll be shifting to right after a quick break Welcome back into the show. And now we're going to talk about the conference championship weekend. Massive game, massive implications for a lot of reasons. Um, we got coaching storylines. We've got quarterback storylines. We've got team storylines. We've got um, pride storylines. And of course, we're going to have some break. We're going to have some news that happened over this week as well um, in this segment also. But first off, we've got starting. So the game is going to be both on Sunday. Um, so not going to do the Saturday, Sunday. I kind of wish they did that Saturday, NFC, Sunday, AFC kind of thing or vice versa. But uh, I guess you want to give equal time to prepare. I don't know what's the difference between 13 days and 12 days, but whatever. Um, they're both going to be played on Sunday. Um, the, the AFC will go first. Bengals will go to the Arrowhead Stadium and the Chiefs. Followed immediately by the NFC, which will be San Francisco at the Rams. I assume this was done because of location. Um, the Rams obviously being on the West Coast, uh, playing three hours later than the Central Time Zone, basically be a one-hour start difference local time. Um, I don't know if that was pre-set already, but they kind of worked out well that the Rams are hosting instead of it being like the Packers, because then the Packers and the Chiefs play in the same time zone, etc. But anyway, so we have a lot of storylines, and we're gonna start off with the AFC. Obviously, they go first, so we're gonna start off with them. Bengals at the Chiefs. Now, these teams played two or three weeks ago um, in Cincinnati. Um, I believe Paul Brown Stadium was at the Browns. Uh, but in Cincinnati. Um, and the Bengals won. The Bengals outlasted them. Remember they had that weird ending where they had like nine snaps from the five or something. It was something insane where they kept like getting defensive penalties and then they would QB sneak it in. Touchdown. No, he's not in. Back it up. Run it again. Joe Burrow didn't even take the knee. Uh, because he hurt his knee, so he jarred out the field and was trying to come back in. The team wouldn't let him. Cause they're like, dude, we're taking a knee. Like, if, if Brandon Allen, I, I believe Brandon Allen is a backup quarterback. Um, Brandon Allen is going to take a knee. Like, they're going to keep the field goal. We're going to get out of here. Every McPherson, his first, or one of his first game winners, uh, we're going to get out of here. And so, um, they go and they have this war and Burrow's going and Mahomes are going and they're going back and forth. Joe Burrow actually outplayed Patrick Mahomes in that game. Um, and it, it was one of those like, oh, like, you know, the Chiefs are back and Burrow was like, yeah, that's cute. Um, I got to do what I got to do. This was week, um, was week 17? This game was very recent though. It was week 17. Chiefs went to the Bengals 31-30, 34 she Patrick Mahomes went 26 of 35, 259, two touchdowns, QBR of 87.2, and a passer rating of 113.9. So basically 114 passer rating. Very good day. Unfortunately for him, Joe Burrow went 30 of 39, 446 yards, four touchdowns, 62.5 QBR. I don't know how his QBR is much lower than, than Patrick Mahomes with a passer rating of 148. 148 is absolutely ridiculous. 
of the past already. But huge, huge performance by Joe Burrow. Jamar Chase went nuts to get out over 200 yards in that game as well. Uh, Jamar Chase went absolutely insane. I don't see how they guard Jamar Chase this time. Um, this is going to be a shootout. It, I mean, barring the Bengals have a complete and total offensive line collapse, similar to what they had against Tennessee, with Frank Clark and Chris Jones coming through the middle against uh, for the Chiefs against the Bengals, this game is going to be a shootout. Now, that Chiefs offensive line ain't the world's greatest either, and Trey Henderson's itching at the bone to have a big game, and uh, the rest of the front sevens kind of been itching at the bone to have. They haven't had a defining game on that defense. They haven't had a game where, I mean, they did it to Ryan Tannehill, but it's Ryan Tannehill. They haven't had a game where the defense won us. I mean, the defense won the game last week, but you know what I'm saying? The way the, where the defense played a good offense and the defense stood up and won them the game. They haven't had one of those games yet. Patrick Mahomes in the middle of an all-time roll. Um, but Joe Burrow is too. He played really well in the wild card game against the Raiders. Didn't play as well against against the Titans, but he was on his back nine times. So it's kind of hard to um, really get rolling there. But this is going to be a classic shootout level game. Um, many of the experts, including Vegas, is way out in front on the Chiefs. Um, not really sure how I feel about that personally. I would have I would have this spread a little closer. I'd have maybe at four and a half. Um, it's at seven in most sports books. Um, this game is going to be a very good game. And I've been watching, I watched a little morning television this morning, you know, while I was doing the podcast and stuff like that, or topic list, etc. That I saw last night and coverage I've seen this game over the past week. People are asking hypothetical questions like, what's more likely, the Bengals win or the Chiefs blow them out? And it's like, I don't think it's that big. They just played. They just played three weeks ago and the Bengals won. I can see if they played three weeks ago and the Chiefs blew them out. I can see if they played three weeks ago and the Chiefs, you know, like I said, blew them out. I can see they didn't play all season. And you're like, oh, man. I, you know, they just played three weeks ago. It wasn't weird conditions like Buffalo and New England. It wasn't unusually hot. You know, it wasn't some weird scenario. That was legitimate Cincinnati weather. That was normal football weather two cold weather teams played in the stadium they played outside and they went to war joe burrow wins the game and they're just pretending like it's just massive gap in skill i don't get it i mean i, I just don't understand daniel source is still playing safety for the chiefs the game's gonna be close like i just i don't i don't see this massive jump in talent now do i think the chiefs in the regular season chiefs in the playoff are two different chiefs yeah but i could also would have told you that if Joe Burrow got second nine times. The Bengals couldn't win the game. The Bengals defense held the, uh, the Titans to 16 points. Forced multiple turnovers. Th- three picks, maybe a fumble. Like, yeah, so a lot of things changed in the playoffs. Um, coaching advantage, Chiefs. Andy Taylor's better than Zach. Andy Reid's better than Zach Taylor. Quarterback advantage, Chiefs. Patrick Holmes is better than Joe Burrow. Um, receiver advantage, Bengals. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. Uh, Azuma, um, I'm missing one. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Azuma, uh, Tyler Boyd, and Joe Mixon at running back are a better core of weapons. Or just with a weapon conversation, weapons than Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Miko Harmon, Brian Pringle, and Clyde Edwards Alaire. Advantage Chiefs. Offensive line, I mean, advantage Bengals. Sorry, offensive line, advantage Chiefs. Front four, advantage Chiefs. Corners, advantage Bengals. Safety's advantage Bengals. Linebacker split. So the Chiefs should win this game, but it's not like they're better at every single unit than the Bengals because they're matchups like that. The Bucks were better at every single unit on the field better than the Eagles. Every single one. 
every single one, and they blew them out. The Chiefs were better at every single unit on the field, better than the uh, better than the Steelers, and they blew them out. The only argument you have is maybe corner. I mean, whatever. Uh, but you got Minka, then you got Honey Badger, so that kind of canceled. So yeah, the Chiefs are better at every single unit than the Steelers, and they blew them out. I guess you say Najee Harris is a better running back than the Chiefs have. So I okay, I give you running back room. But even though the room is probably better for the Chiefs than the room for the Steelers. I'm, I'm doing this and I'm like, okay, the biggest gap is not Joe Burrow to Patrick Mahomes. The biggest gap is Andy Reid to Zach Taylor. Or it could be enemy to Zach Taylor, regardless. Steve Spagnuolo, I don't know who the Bengals defensive coordinator is. Um, that's that's your big gap is the coaching staff. Players are about 50-50. Um, quarterback advantage, like I said, we, we went through the breakdown already, but quarterback, you know, Chiefs. Running back room, Bengals. Weapon room, Bengals. O-line, Chiefs. Uh, secondary, Bengals. Front four, uh, probably Chiefs. And then the linebackers are split. That's about 50-50 on both sides. This is not going to be a 20-point Chiefs win. Like, it's just not. Joe Burrow doesn't get blown out for one. He had been blown out since probably he was in Athens High School in Ohio. He doesn't get blown out. Two, the Chiefs defense isn't good. So unless they, like I said, sack him nine times, and then he look up and it's twenty-one nothing Chiefs. Like, is as well as situations where, as long as the offensive line doesn't get annihilated, they're gonna score. They get out. They played the Chiefs earlier. The, the Bengals had four, gave up four sacks. Um, so definitely something to keep our eye on. Again, we're not gonna pick a winner. Obviously, we're gonna pick any Jack's pack, but. I, I, don't, I don't understand the coverage of this game throughout the national media pretending like this game is going to be some massive blowout. I don't see it. I don't even know how it would get to that point. Um, and then, of course, we're going to finish with the nightcap, the NFC. So we're going to go to Kansas City, Missouri, fly about 1,000, 1,500 miles west, um, and be Los Francisco 49 versus the Los Angeles Rams. This game is going to be a great game. It's going to be a very fun game. Um because it's going to be a opposite kind of game. So, Chiefs and Bengals are going to look like the air raid. Look like the old Big 12. Um, first one probably to 40 wins, if I had to guess. First one to 40 wins for the Chiefs and Bengals. Um, for the 49ers and the Rams, this is going to look like the SEC five years ago. So, right when the SEC was starting to get offenses for Bama or um, LSU was starting to spread open a, a little bit. Florida was open. A&M, obviously. Yeah, it's going to look like. It's going to look like the SEC about five years ago. A um, lot of run base. Both teams want to run the ball. Sam Scott's got their zone uh, concept led by Trent Williams and the rest of that offensive line. Um, the Rams, similar concept, but it's a little more in your face with Cam Akers and Sonny Michelle. Um both teams are going to be be dependent on play action passes to get deep. The Rams don't really traditionally drop back deep um, and just allow the rush to come to them. That is a benefit. That especially with that San Francisco front four, you don't want to let the rushes come to you. That seems like a horrible idea. Um, and conversely, the Ram, the Niners want to keep the Rams going sideways. How do you keep Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Leonard Floyd off your quarterback, even off your running back? Make them go sideways first. Make them have to chase a lineman to get into a hole to then make a play. You know, make them think about what's happening. It's going to be straight in front of me. It's going to be alone. Is it zone? Is it left? Is it right? Is it power? Is it counter? Is it pin and pull? What is it? Um, make them constantly have to think on defense to slow them down just a half a beat and give your offensive line a chance. 
Um, and, we, and we can do a similar breakdown. But if we look at the coaching, if we do a similar breakdown of how we did Chiefs and Bengals to find out what's what in terms of who should win this game. Coaching. Kyle Shanahan's better than Sean McVay. How do I know? Sean McVay has lost to him six times in a row. And two of those, at one point, Kyle Shanahan had CJ Beathard. I think he had uh, Nick, um, started with an M. The kid from uh, Mississippi, I think he's from. He had him at quarterback and beat Sean McVay. Um, now, could that have been a Jared Goff thing? Probably. But Matt Stafford was there both times this year, and he still beat Sean McVay. So, advantage Kyle Shanahan. Uh, quarterback. Obviously, Matt Stafford's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, so, advantage Rams. Receivers. Advantage Rams. Um, Odell, Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson. I'm going to throw the tight end in. Tyler Higby um, is better than Brandon Ayuk, Devo Samuel, George Kittle, and I can't even think of another receiver on the San Francisco 49ers roster. Um, running back room split Cam Akers and Sonny Michelle versus Elijah Mitchell and effectively Debo Samuel split um, offensive line I'm gonna go 49ers here Trent Williams is a better offensive lineman than anybody they have on the Rams and consequently puts them over the edge um, defensive I guess we do defensive front seven I'm gonna go Niners here um, because the linebackers for the Rams are weak. I don't like any of the linebackers on the Rams. They do have some great linemen, though. Like I said, Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald, Von Miller. But their linebackers, I can't name one of them. I know the 49ers have that great front four, plus Fred Warner in that middle. So I've got to go with the Niners. And then, of course, secondary goes to the Rams because Jalen Rams is the ultimate kicker. And then kicking is about what and what. Wisnowski and Gay both hit game when he field goals. So, and that's not what's what's now gold. Sorry, gold and gay both hit game winning field goals. So, kicking's about even. Uh, punting's about even. Um, Rams have a great punter, but so do the uh, Niners. So, it's a situation where it's a 50 50 kind of draw as well, uh, which why that point spread of three and a half for the Rams makes a lot more sense. Um, Kyle Shanahan, like I said, his own Sean McVay. And if you ask, uh, that was a report or. Uh, Peter Schrager was talking on Cowherd's podcast and he was on uh, Cowherd's show and he was saying if you ask Peter Schrager if you asked Sean McVay and Matt LaFleur privately they would tell you Shanahan's a better accidental schemer than them now Shanahan has a little bit of an advantage his dad was Mike Shanahan obviously he's been in NFL locker room his whole life um, he got his first job under his dad in Washington he used a lot of his dad's concepts I remember at one point they were saying last year Mike and Mike was still working on the game plan with Kyle. Like he he has a wealth, he has an infrastructure wealth base that Matt LaFleur and Sean McVay don't have because of Mike Shanahan. Um, which I mean, hey, use you gotta use. Bill Belichick speaks seven languages because his mother, um, his mother did. They spoke to him a lot. His dad invented the way you modern scout. So I mean there's there's advantages all through sports. Um and Kyle uses his with his dad, Mike, to really get an advantage on McVay and um McVay and LaFleur. I don't think he doesn't lose to either. He's Aaron Rodgers has never beaten the 49ers in a playoff game. The last three coached by Matt LaFleur. Think about it. Two in championship games and then this last one. Never beaten him. Charlie McVay has lost six in a row. And then and so he's owning the two guys used to work for him in Washington because he was the OC. Uh quarterback coach was Matt LaFleur and tight end coach was Sean McVay. So he's uh, beating up on guys he used to employ, but he's a better coach than X's and O's, and he knows how to take advantage of the X's and O's. Um, so definitely something to keep an eye on there if the Rams can break the streak. But now let's jump into some news. A uh, pretty packed week as far as news. 
Um, first, the first big bombshell to drop, Sean Payton's retiring. Kind of. He's he's leaving the Saints organization. Um, if I had to guess, I would say it's a case of burnout. And they asked him, is it burnout? He said, no, not really. Uh, which kind of gave a hint that it could have been something behind the scenes. Or maybe he didn't think the Saints is the best opportunity for him anymore. Um, I would call it burnout. Because he, he made no qualms about wanting to go on TV and the media. Like, I, I think it's burnout. Uh, I think he wants to be around the game. He said it. He wants to still be around the game. And he wants to have a future with the game. It may end up coaching in the future. But he didn't think it would be in 2022. I don't think it would be in 2022. The Saints own his rights for another three years. So, if anybody wants him, they have to trade for him. Um, I don't see Miss Benson. I don't see... Ms. Benson and Mickey Loomis letting an asset like Sean Payton go for free. Now, could in theory, could in theory, let's say the Dallas Cowboys fire Mike McCarthy. Sean Payton goes to the ownership. Hey, I really love you guys. and I thank you. I want to go coach in Dallas. Don't make it too hard. Basically, like, you know what I'm saying? Don't ask for a three first round pick or something like that. Maybe get a couple of seconds and a third and let me move on. You know what I'm saying? You get some assets for me. I'm not even here. You get three three picks and let me coach in Dallas kind of thing. Um, and I don't think they'd do it. I don't think they'd make it too hard on Dallas. Maybe a first and a couple of seconds and a fifth later or something like that. It'd probably be a bunch of picks. I don't see any players going for a coach. That would be unprecedented. Usually a coach trade involves picks. Um, so I think that would probably be the case. But, yeah, they own his rights in the three years. And of course, and that raised a bunch of suspicion. Is he going to the Dallas Cowboys? No. No, not yet, because Jerry Jones would have to admit he's failing. Now, Jerry Jones did openly say, he did. He did openly say, um, man, I, um, you do not under, you do not understand the size of the check I would ride if you can guarantee me a Super Bowl. The only problem is Sean Payton is no slam dunk guarantee. Sean Payton won a Super Bowl in 2009 and hasn't been back to one since. Now, he should have been back to one in 20, was it 18 with the Rams, no call. He probably should have been back to one with the Minnesota Miracle. Um, but he's been no slam dunk. He, he's not Belichick. He hasn't been to four or five Super Bowls. He's not even Mike Tomlin's been to two. He's been the one. He won it. He beat Peyton Manning, but it's not a slam dunk guarantee. Now, I think with that team, with Sean Payton's coaching, he probably is in the Super Bowl sooner rather than later, especially with that division. You know you're going to host a playoff game because your division's terrible. Um, but Jerry Jones probably looks at it and goes, I gave Mike McCarthy a lot of money. I did a lot of did a lot of stuff for Mike McCarthy, and so I have to at least see if it works uh, all the way out. He's committed to it. We have to admit he failed. Not something Jerry Jones is interested in doing. Um, but Sean Payton's going to walk away after 15 seasons, Super Bowl championship, countless number of Pro Bowlers. I think he counted them. A lot of Pro Bowlers, a lot of um, all Pro players. Obviously resurrected the Hall of Fame career of Drew Brees. Uh, drafted Reggie Bush, which he told the story of. They were in the middle of doing a ticket like a rally. Because the Saints didn't sell out. I mean, the Saints were the Browns for bag inks for 10, 15 years. They were decent-ish under, with Aaron Brooks. But they were not selling out the Superdome. So they was going on like ticket rallies uh, to try and promote the sale of tickets. And then they draft Reggie Bush and the tickets sell out. And it was like they never had to do one again because the tickets have been sold out every game since. They never had to do another rally again. And I think the waiting list for the season tickets is something like 20 years long or something crazy like that. Um, and so he was it, he redefined New Orleans. And I guess I'm in Baton Rouge. So 
It used to be the Saints were a joke. I grew up and I picked the Patriots as my favorite team. Why? The Saints were bad. Like, I started watching football, for real, for real, the NFL football, the Patriots are in the middle of a dynasty. Okay, pick the Patriots to root for them. Um, and at that time, I was a bigger college football fan, and I loved Reggie Bush at USC. I only really started watching the Saints because, A, they're on TV every week because we're in the local market, and, B, Reggie Bush became a Saint. That's when I became a Saint. That's when I started watching the Saints. I got a Reggie Bush Saints jersey. I, I had a Ricky Williams football thing. Like, the, I, the Saints were not on my mind. He redefined how the Saints were looked at in the region. Um, he brought a Super Bowl championship to the New Orleans, which who would have thought that would have ever happened? He brought a Super Bowl championship to New Orleans, like I said, Reggie Bush. The kind of the amount of draft picks that they had hit was successful. Um, great, great, absolutely all time. Remember, he did the gesture for Deuce McAllister, he made him like an assistant running back staffer when they were on that playoff run, they won the Super Bowl just to get him a ring, um, and not have it be like you know, a BS like honorary ring or whatever no he has an official Super Bowl ring from the saints um every single staff member in the organization has one actually remember tom benson they said every single employee of the saints got a ring he asked everyone's ring size ordered rings for everyone everyone in the organization got a ring um which is something not really done i mean it, it's it sounded like restaurant people got rings you know what i'm saying like it was just every single person in the organization got a ring um kudos to them for that um sean payton man thank you uh, for what you did for the city of new orleans you, you possibly saved football in new orleans he came right after katrina so think about it right after katrina in that offseason they got sean payton as coach to hire sean payton they signed drew Brees to a contract and draft reggie bush if that doesn't go well if it's four and twelve four and twelve three and thirteen fired football is probably no longer in new orleans it could be in san antonio um, so that is something that the state of Louisiana is forever indebted to Sean Payton for. His legacy is easily the greatest coach in the world in his history. Um, he has a top 15 coach kind of resume. He's a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. Um, you cross 150 wins with a Super Bowl championship, you're an NFL Hall of Fame coach. Um, he's first eligible in 2027. Will he be first ballot? I don't know. He's going to be in in his three ballots, though. But 150 wins, second fastest coach to ever get there. Um, Super Bowl champion, greatest coach in Saints history. He's an NFL Hall of Famer. Uh, kudos to Sean Payton. And then yesterday, we get the news we were expecting for a few, about a month now. Big Ben officially has retired from the NFL. Uh, posted a video on social media. It's about two and a half minutes long. Um, where he talked about it's time for him to now clean out his locker. Uh, he thanked the city of Pittsburgh. Uh, it's time for him to go home and be a great husband to his wife and his father to his kids. Um, you know, and it's just, it's, it's a day we saw coming, but a day, it's a little sad, you know, Big Ben gave his life to the city of Pittsburgh, gave his body to the game, literally gave his body. It was, Big Ben would get abused for three more yards. Like, it's just, and it was so commendable because it was so Pittsburgh. He was big. He was tough. He was gritty. He didn't have a flawless pass. You know, he had the stuff that went down in his career with the motorcycle accident and other things like that. Um, he was this big, rough, tough, physical, gunslinging, not per, not lo really loved in the media kind of quarterback. He was their quarterback. You know, he fit the city of Pittsburgh so well. Um, two Super Bowl championships. I don't believe he ever won a regular season MVP. Multi-time All-Pro, multi-time Pro Bowler. Um... 
50,000, 6,000 passing yards. He's top five, I think, in touchdowns. So absolutely amazing. Started every game he was ever healthy for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He didn't have that weird Eli benching thing. Uh, played for one team his whole career, like I said, in the Steelers. He didn't have Phillip Rivers where he went to Indianapolis. Um, the last member standing of the 04 draft class. Now, should he have been? Probably not. Because Phillip Rivers in his last year looked better than Big Ben in his last two. Uh, but remember, Phillip Rivers' arm went away. They threw. It was a hail mary to the end zone to keep the season going. I think it was playing against the Dolphins, and they put in Jacoby Brissett to throw the hail mary because Phillip Rivers' arm couldn't get it there fifty yards away anymore. Um, which with that throwing motion, I don't know how he ever got it fifty yards, but his arm couldn't get it there anymore, so they put Brissett in uh, for the hail mary. And it's just Big Ben couldn't. His flaws at the end were too too strong. His body completely failed him. Um, and he was hanging on for dear life, but Big Ben now is done. Um, legacy, I just said it. A guy who was ultimate Pittsburgh. Terry Bradshaw is still the greatest Pittsburgh quarterback ever. Four Super Bowls does that for you, but Big Ben's a hell of a second. Um, a guy who was imperfectly perfect. A guy with all the physical tools in the world that may have come up a little short in how to use them. Um, but still an amazing all-time quarterback. Game will definitely miss Pittsburgh. A game will definitely miss Big Ben, rather. Pittsburgh will, will have, my God, they're going to miss him. They have no succession playing at quarterback right now. Some say due to him. But um, absolutely great career. Um, and it puts a little stress on the Steelers finding a quarterback. They can go to the draft. They can see if Aaron Rodgers wants to move. Call Seattle behind Big Ben. Um, behind Russell Wilson, rather. They have a few options they can go on. Do They might be in the quarterback recycle market. Who knows? Um, as for the Saints and their opening, they they're going to they have requested to interview Brian Flores. Are they going to interview Brian Flores? They have requested to interview Brian Leftwich. Um, Dennis Allen is the favorite. Is the odds on favor? If you had to bet money on it, bet Dennis Allen. Um, so, but that is um, the options both of those situations have. But up next, we're going to shift to our NFL betting segment, Jack's Pack, the Conference Championship Game Edition. Conference Championship Week edition of Jack's Pack. We went two and two last week. Could have been better. Could have been worse. We went two and two last week. We maintained five hundred record in the playoffs. Not what we did last year. We went like eleven and one or something like that last year. We are not on pace for that this year at all. But hey, Conference Championship. We got a lot of lot of stakes on the line here. Two games this weekend. Um, as you guys know, betting's already went live, so I've already bet both of these numbers, um, and I am ready to roll. Um, so we're going to start off with Bengals and Chiefs. Chiefs minus seven. Take the Chiefs. And I know I spoke about it. It's not going to be a blowout. And I may change my bet. I've placed the bet, but that's the beauty in apps. You can move money around. Do what you got to do. I, cause you can cash out early, get all your bonus, you can get all your stuff back, whatever. 
I may change this number because I don't know. I don't know. Uh, this game feels like Bengals by eight or nine. Like it doesn't. I don't see a scenario where the Bengals get blown out here. That's very plausible. Now, if the Bengals give up nine sacks again, yeah, the Chiefs are going to win by 30. But if the Bengals give up, let's say, three sacks, it's going to be a close game because the Chiefs don't have the secondary to stop Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Azuma, um, and Tyler Boyd. They don't. They can't guard Jamar Chase. I don't know if anybody can. I mean, Jalen Ramsey would have a good shot in the Super Bowl if they were to meet. But, I mean, other than that, I don't see anyone really stopping Jamar Chase. If I'm wrong about Joe Burrow, I'm wrong about Joe Burrow. And if he's pulling off the greatest magical stretch in the history of life, kudos to him. Um, but I've just got too much faith right now in the Chiefs rolling at home. They scored 45 points against the Bills, and the Bills have the number one defense in the league. Do I think the Bengals can get to 40, 38? Probably. I got the Chiefs winning this game 42-30. Um final score being a little closer than the game would play and i've got the chiefs covering the seven points and in the nfc it is the san francisco 49ers versus the los angeles rams um the rams minus three and a half take the rams another game i don't know we spoke about it earlier 49ers have won six straight times against sean mcveigh six straight times against sean mcveigh that's with cj bethard that's with nick mullins that's with jimmy garoppolo and that's with McVay having Stafford and Goff. Um, he's won six straight times over McVay. I think the streak ends. I think the streak ends. I think it's too much Aaron Donald, too much Von Miller, too much Matt Stafford, too much Odell, too much Cooper Cup, too much Van Jefferson, too much Cam Akers. Because Cam Akers had just come, that was his first game back when they played the 49ers when they blew the lead and ultimately let the 49ers in. The Saints stayed out, which if the Saints were in, maybe Sean Payton is still the coach of the Saints. Who knows? But... The 49ers needed the win over the Rams to get in the playoffs. That was as cut and easy, simple drives I can make it. Um, and that ultimately is what happened. The Rams blew their first ever halftime lead under McVay. They were something like 50 something and one, 50 something and 0. Uh, McVay takes a halftime lead. They took a halftime lead, a pretty solidly, I think it was 20 to 3, if memory serves me correctly. And they blow it. The Rams, the 49ers come all the way back. Um, absolutely charged, like I said, all the way back. Um, and they win the game, ultimately get themselves in the playoffs, and that's how we get here. The Saints would, would the Saints would have gotten in the playoffs if the 49ers would have lose, um, but that ultimately did not happen, and so uh, the 49ers are here. But I think that the Rams will win this game. I think they remember we let them in. So if we let them in, they beat us. It'd be ultimate uh, pain. It would be the seventh straight loss McVay would have to Shanahan. Um, the Matt Stafford trade will be looked at as all for naught because Jared Goff got this team to a Super Bowl. So you at least have to get to a Super Bowl <laughs> to at least make the trade even because Jared Goff got into a Super Bowl, solid year, trades off Matt Stafford. So if you go and lose in the championship game to Jimmy Garoppolo, who I have no use for, who many have no use for, who the Niners drafted a replacement for in last offseason, that's going to be a pretty bad look uh, for Matt Stafford. Um, and Sean McVay as well. Uh, Les Snead as well, the general manager. So you could have used that asset maybe to pick up another receiver, pick up another lineman, pick up another running back to help Goff, and say you traded it all for Stafford, who ultimately didn't get further than Goff did, or at least equal to Goff. So there's a several uh, scenarios that are running here. Um, like I said, kudos to um, the 49ers are having a great season. 
So I think it ends here. And I think the Rams cover three and a half. Um, now, would this game shock me for 27-24? No. But at the same time, do I see uh, Jimmy Garoppolo quarterbacking his way to 24 points? No. Um, so I'm going to go with Rams here, 24 to 17, covers three and a half. So that would be Bengals minus seven. Uh, sorry, Chiefs minus seven over the Bengals. Rams minus three and a half over the Niners. Um, if that Chiefs game, if you see anywhere higher than seven and a half, eight, don't touch it. If the Rams are anything higher than three and a half, four, don't touch it. Uh, or flip the other side, or either go to the Niners um, and go to the Bengals. But up next, we're going to shift to the NBA and talk about what's going down there. Welcome back into the show, and now we're going to talk about the NBA, the National Basketball Association, the man with the league with Jerry West as the logo, and of course, when we jump into a new sport, what do we always do? We talk about the standings. Uh, Out east, we have the Heat, Bulls, Cavs, Nets, 76ers, Bucks, Hornets, Celtics, Raptors, and Wizards. In our west, we have the Sun, Warriors, Grizzlies, Jazz, Mavericks, Nuggets, Clippers, Timberwolves, Lakers, and Portland round out the 10th seed for the play-in game. Um, And the big news out of yesterday was the All-Star starters were announced. Um, The NBA placed the All-Star starters out there um, as long as the captains, or as well as the captains, rather. For each team, of course, as you guys know, the captain is the highest uh, vote getter on each team, on each conference. So, uh, Wes, the um, the all-star starter, all-star captain for the fifth consecutive season. I was just started doing this. Uh, LeBron James is the um, all-star captain for the West. And for the East, it is for Kevin Durant, who I believe this is his second um, captaincy and his second captaincy he will not play in the game um, because I remember that he was captain last year for the all-star game that wasn't an all-star game they got moved to an all-star game it was supposed to be in Indiana but got moved to Atlanta um, for COVID reasons KD was supposed to be captain didn't play injury so now this year he's captain and not gonna play because of injury so he'll pick his team and he'll get I think two picks to end it I forgot he did it last year, but they think they gave him two picks to end it. So he picked, and then he did like a double pick at the end. Um, I don't think he got first and second. I think he got like seventh and eighth or something like that. Or he picked the first two reserves, something along those lines. Um, but the rest of the Western Conference starters, obviously after LeBron James, captain, um, 18th appearance, his 18th consecutive start, um, making his fourth uh, All-Stars uh, appearance, Nikola Jokic of the Denver Nuggets. Making his eighth All-Star appearance, Steph Steph Curry of the Golden State Warriors. And both making their first All-Star appearances and obviously their first starts. Um, 
Memphis Grizzlies guard John Morant and Golden State Warriors forward Andrew Wiggins. Um, and out east, uh, for the east, uh, obviously Kevin Durant is the starter, is the captain, making his 12th all-star appearance. And I believe they're all starts. Um, and then going to the rest of the team, making his sixth all-star appearance, Milwaukee's Bucks forward Giannis Antetokounmpo. Making his fifth all-star appearance, Chicago Bulls guard DeMar DeRozan. Making his fifth, also making his fifth all-star appearance, Joel Embiid of the Philadelphia 76ers. And making his second all-star appearance back-to-back, obviously, Trey Young, Atlanta Hawks guard. Uh, so those is the pools um, of the starters. Um, and with these... And with these groups, those would be the 10 players. Um, those would be the 10 players that would be obviously starters. Now, they won't all be on the same team to do the draft, and then they'll have the reserve player pool announced probably in a few days um, for All-Star as well. TNT usually does it, so I think the next TNT broadcast may be probably Tuesday they might announce the reserves. Um, so that is absolutely huge news um, there. But let's jump into some guys making their return. Clay Thompson, I see you, buddy. I spoke about how, you know, I talked to several friends about how, man, Clay Thompson's really struggling since he came back. And there's all this big hoopla and 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 uh, fanfare and ticket tape when he returned. But he nailed, I think, five threes last night, 23 points. Uh, Steph, I think, hit six threes. The Splash Brothers were in full effect last night. Clay Thompson's shot looked pure and sweet. Um, hardly touching the rim. So if, if he's back to that, the Warriors are going to be a very dangerous team. Now, do I have to come out of the West? No, I don't. Um, no interior presence. I mean, Draymond Green is a, basically your only interior presence. Um, and I don't think that's enough. I mean, they're they're a good they're a good team. They're a great team. I just when I look at the West, I see DeAndre Aiden in the West. I see Jaron Jackson Jr. in the West. I see Rudy Gobert in the West. I see Christos Porzingis in the West. I see Anthony Davis in the West. I see Carl Anthony Towns in the West. I see Nikola Jokic in the West. Um, and I'm looking like you got Draymond. <laughs> you got James Wiseman. I don't even know who's else playing center for the Warriors. Like that's not enough to go through those guys. And so, um. I don't have the Warriors coming out of the West, but I do think they're going to be a very hard out. They're going to be a tough out. They're not going to go down without being six or seven games. They're going to be a very, very tough out, especially with Steph and Clay if they've got their shots back and Draymond Green feeding them. They're going to be a very difficult out. And speaking of another very difficult out that I don't think is going to win a championship, but they have a lot of star power is the Lakers. Uh, the Lakers played at 76 last night. It was an opportunity for Anthony Davis to come back. It was his second game back off a of back-to-back, or not really back-to-back, they had a day off uh, Wednesday, and it was a marquee matchup, it was supposed to be LeBron, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, game two, since the AD returns, um, and LeBron woke up apparently with left knee soreness, um, and the, the Lakers held him out, you saw him in pregame, he just he just couldn't move, um, every time he was trying to do some kind of step back or some kind of tough move, it looked like it hurt. Um, it looked like it was painful. He's listed it day to day. They play today versus Charlotte. Um, so definitely gonna keep our eye on his availability for that one. Um, but Anthony Davis went to war last night against Joel Embiid. He had 31 and 11, um, dominating Joel Embiid. It, it was it made Embiid work, which is something that I've noticed that if you make Embiid work on the defensive end, he doesn't play well on offense or as well on offense. He can't be as dominant. Why? Because he's got to burn energy and still not foul. 
So Anthony Davis attacking his chest, attacking back, attacking him, attacking him, hit him with moves, step back, run around three, hit shooting threes, was pulling him out and making him run around. And now he can't exert all of his energy to go and get 50 on the other end. Um, because I've noticed, and it's funny, they both olayed the other one a couple of times. Jorel put a hard shoulder down. AD would get out the way, hold both his hands up and back up because there's no point because Embiid's going to get the foul call. Conversely, AD a couple of times put a hard jump move and Embiid just olayed him to the rim because it's not worth A, the energy, or B, the effort, and you get a foul call, you're more valuable to your team on the other end. Um, and so that was pretty cool to watch those two battle it out. Um, my pick for MVP right now is probably Joel Embiid. Um, but he's doing, he's having a career year and the Sixers are climbing back up the rankings. Uh, Russ, again, Russell Westbrook set a precedent, six seed and won the MVP that year with OKC with the triple double, the first triple double year. Um, MB's not having any, that level of historic year, but he's having an amazing year. We said, we set a precedent already with Russ winning it from the sixth seed. They were trying to, they were trying to make an argument for Steph in the eighth seed last year to make it, um, be MVP. So. Joel Embiid has a very good case. That is my current pick for most valuable player. But also, look at Giannis. Look at what Giannis is doing. Look at what Jokic is doing. Um, there's no real one guy on any of the other teams. John Morant has an MVP case with the Grizzlies. But, I mean, right now, I would have to pick Joel Embiid currently as the NBA. Um, and whenever there's the NBA, of course, there's drama. Um, DeMarcus Cousins was ejected for... I don't know what picking up two technical fouls. I guess it's pretty soft technical fouls. And then again, a guy like him, he has already has a reputation, and he's trying to earn a ten-day spot. He's trying to earn a full-year contract. I think that was pretty shady of the refs to eject him in that manner. Um, I didn't love either of the technical fouls because um, those guys—they're emotional. They're emotional people, and I think a lot of times, to be honest, I think fear factor comes into play. Um, Demarcus Cousins is a six-foot-eleven guy. He's an athlete, he's 270 pounds, and he's angry. And not only he's angry, he's angry with a reputation. Um, so I think the fear factor coming from a normal size referee um, kicks into play. I mean, you see a lot of times bigger people get texts more. You see, like, J.J. Reddick got a tech for spinning the ball to the ref one time. He was a Pelican. Like, really? Um, you don't really see point guards get texts that often. You see the giant centers, and you see... Whatever, like him, like Joel Embiid and Jose Alvarado got into it. Embiid got his tech probably first, and then Alvarado got his for retaliating or going back at him. Like, and Alvarado is a point guard, but you see it more with bigger people. I, yeah, I think it's an intimidation factor. JJ Redick is six foot six on the on an NBA court. He looks he looks small. He's I mean he's six foot six is probably out of ten people on the court. He's probably so there's probably six guys taller than him, so he looks small. To a ref who's five foot ten, six foot six is a very large human. Um, and or JJ Redick six five, six four, something like that. But he's a very large human compared to us five foot ten ref. Um, and so I think sometimes fear factor kicks in, and then every ref has trigger words. So if we say that trigger word, it's thrown out. And I think Cousins is a naturally aggressive guy. Like I say, he's six foot eleven, big guy, already has a reputation. Say anything kind of sideways to a ref, you getting teed up. Um, I, I think it's BS, but it's the way it's the way life works. Unfortunately for Demarcus Cousins. Um, and then Carmelo Anthony got into it with a couple of Philadelphia 76ers fans last night, got two of them ejected um, for calling him boy repeatedly, which if you understand the racial undertones of that, um, two Caucasian people or Caucasian male calling a black male boy um, is pretty disrespectful and rightfully so Carmelo Anthony had the right to be upset. Um, it was done repeatedly. 
it was done by opposing fans. It's not a you go boy. It was like keep shooting boy and stuff like that. It was it was done with the intent of what it was met with. Um, and Carmelo Anthony, my opinion, reacted justly. Um, and we gotta stop getting mad at players. Also, in my opinion, for getting angry, angry like they're people. Like I understand they're professional athletes. I understand that they play in. Carmelo Anthony's been playing in front of crowds since he was 14. Like you know, legitimate crowds since he was 14, 15, 16. Especially once he got to uh, Oak Hill. They traveled around the country. They were the biggest attraction in town because Oak Hill was playing your local high school. So everybody went to watch the Oak Hill game because it was NBA players on the floor. They had, you know, that's Oak Hill's had Steven Jackson. Oak Hill's had Cam Thomas, Carmelo Anthony, Brandon Jennings. And usually they're elite level players because think about it. Cam Thomas leads Oak Hill in career scoring. He has, what, 2,000 points, 1,500 points. He played there two seasons. Most people don't play Oak Hill for two seasons. Most people, you you kill your local circuit, and then Oak Hill calls, and you transfer into Oak Hill your senior year. Cam Thomas transferred in his junior year. Or if you transfer in earlier, you're behind all the other junior and senior transfers, so you're watching them play, then you play. But usually you don't play on Oak Hill, especially start for more than one season. Um, so it has because Steven Jackson got called out of Texas to play Oak Hill his senior year. Uh, Carmelo Anthony got called out of, I think, Maryland to go play his senior year at Oak Hill. Cam Thomas went a year early. He went his junior year. Um... And so that's just how that works. So he's been playing in front of legitimate crowds. Players and NFL players, true, but players, NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL will say, man, the stuff they have heard and let go, because you don't know. So a lot of time it's from nameless, faceless people. You don't know. It's, it's a football stadium. There's 10,000 people directly behind you. You hear the N-word. You can't throw out all 10,000. You don't know where it came from. The NBA same thing i mean nba is a little better because you kind of can pinpoint an area so you can look at an area and a lot of times fans around them be like yo that was him like i'm i paid two three thousand dollars for this seat i ain't going nowhere that was him you know our regular season game lakers in town i paid eight hundred dollars for this seat that was him right there i'm not going nowhere um so it's a little easy in the nba hockey they're behind a glass you don't know where that yell came from so um you know, the stuff people have played have heard of, like, go. Carmelo Anthony heard it, was able to pinpoint the guy, got the guy ejected. I fully support Carmelo Anthony in the situation, um, as more fans should get ejected. You can't, like, remember when they let crowds back in the stadium in that playoff run? It was like fan incident after fan incident. It was like the fans went wild. The guy from the Knicks tried to spit on Trey Young. Like, what is that? They poured popcorn. It was a Celtics game. They poured pop Texas and uh, Washington. They poured popcorn on Russ. Um, and Russ was going back at the guy. Security grabbed him. Um, that was it was, a, it was a third incident. It was like within a week of each other. It was insane. Oh, the, the guy ran on the court for Philly. Philly had two incidents. The guy ran on the court for Philly. They tried to pull popcorn, I believe, on Russ. And then the guy from the Knicks tried to spit on Trey Young. Disgusting human act. But, you know, this kind of stuff that we have to protect our players. They're the only, and I call them unprotected players. Because think about it, hockey, you're in pads and helmet, and literally the entire rink is surrounded by glass. So the fans have a literal barrier between you and the field. Like they, they're on you and the ice. They can't get to you. Soccer, those are those big old giant sidelines. Um, so yeah, they're they're in uh, they're in their kits, they're in their jerseys and shorts, but they're a big old that's like a 20-yard sideline, it looks like in some of these soccer stadiums. Then you gotta run them to pitch. Like it's you know. Football, there's a sideline. You know, if you want to get to a guy on the field, you got to run through the sideline or come out the end zone. But there's time for me to see you coming. Basketball, you're 
I mean, they're taking the out-of-bounds line out and they're telling the fans to back their feet in drinks up because they might kick them over. You know what I'm saying? There's been several games stopped every year where a, a ref or a player kicks over somebody's drink and now there's a spill on the floor. They got to stop and clean it up. Like, that's how close. It's an unlimited access. When somebody's taking the ball out, you can literally touch them. Like, so that's the only sport like that. So I'm saying you really got to protect the NBA players because they have no barrier. Some crazy wacko sneak something in the game. Some of these I mean, stadiums have metal detectors, but what if you get a, a um, 3D printed something? You know, something that would a metal detector don't go off. Some wacko, you know, use the pen. You know, like, you know, so you got to really protect NBA players because they're truly unprotected. Now, they're the biggest but if some wacko from behind sneaks me, sneaks up on me, it doesn't matter how big I am. Like, you know, so I'm uh, glad that the NBA really does take a, a good job in managing getting these guys out when they're crossing the line. But up next, we're going to have our best for last, which is going to be a talk about Tom Brady's potential retirement. Welcome back into the show, and now we are going to talk about um, Tom Brady's potential retirement. So Tom Brady on his podcast, uh, forgot what his podcast called, Let's Go, I believe is the podcast name, he does it with Jim Gray, um, spoke about how, he spoke pretty openly about retirement, and um Spoke about how he's going to talk to his wife, hang out with his family for a little while, talk about it, discuss it. I'm sure he'll fly Alice Guerrero in. Alice Guerrero has like the greatest job ever. He's on salary from Tom Brady. He's partnered in TB12. He goes on all of Brady's vacations because Brady trains on his vacations. So Brady flies Guerrero out, get him his own room, get him his own. Whatever Brady's doing, Guerrero does it because he has to be there with Brady. Um, so I'm sure Alice Guerrero will fly out. His other trainers and coaches will fly out for a day or two. Um on Brady's dime, which again, must be a hell of a gig from Alex Guerrero. Um, and he said he talked to his family, talked to his wife, stuff like that, you know, make a decision. Then he posted a past tense Instagram, social media post, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, covered it all. Brady doesn't post that way. Brady thanks people and then say, let's go get it or let's go. Nothing. There was no mention of the next year. None. That was not even a hint of can't wait to run it back at you guys next year. We're going to be back next year. We're going to be better. Nothing. There wasn't anything post-game, which alarmed the people in uh, Tampa Bay. They said it alarmed them. Like, there was no mention of next year. Like, none. There's not even a hint of a possibility of next year. There was no mention to the following season. On Jim Gray, there was no mention of the following season. Not proactively saying he's coming back. Um... In the Instagram post and social media post, there was no mention of let's run it back. Nothing. Remember after the Super Bowl, it was immediately one like let's run it back. Like let's do this. There was nothing. Now, there's widespread speculation and widespread assumption that he will lose offensive coordinator Brian Leftwich, who he has a tremendous relationship with. So Brian Leftwich is truly walking out of the door. He's a major finalist for the Jacksonville Jaguars job in a situation that it was reported that um it was reported that he had he had the jaguar job i didn't hear that people i trust didn't hear that 
Um, ultimately, it was proven basically at this point untrue because he's still interviewing for jobs. He has been requested by the, San, the uh, New Orleans Saints um, to do to the interview after Sean Payton walked. But, you know, you could lose that. Ty Bowles on the defensive side has gained some interest. Now, not as much, so Bowles will probably be back. Um, but he looked around that team, and he looked around and said, man, JPP didn't do much in that playoff game. Chris Godwin's hurt and probably won't be, make, probably won't be back. Antonio Brown quit on me in the middle of a game. Rojo was hurt always. Leonard Fournette's a free agent. He's looking around going, damn, I might not be playing with the team I came here with. Um, do I think Tom Brady make plays on a third team? No. No, because his wife loves Florida. They love the weather. And I do, I mean, it's a situation where San Fran goes, we got to move off Jimmy G, but Trey Lanson's already. Brady, you, you want to run it back for your home team? He'd have to consider it. He damn sure have to consider it. He'd have he'd have that defense plus George Kittle, Debo Samuel. They'd have to probably draft a receiver in the first round to get him another weapon. But he would cons- I know he'd consider it. And to say I'm here for one year and Trey Lance is yours in year three. I'm here for one for one year to go win a ring for the 49ers. Um I guess he'd have to consider it. Him and Kyle Shanahan would be a match made in heaven. I don't think he does it. I think it's either Tampa Bay or a retirement. And I think he'd do some kind of ceremonial thing with the Patriots to announce retirement. But if he's truly gone, it's the end of the era. Um, it's the end of the Peyton. Think about it, how many eras he's paid. Peyton Manning's entire career fits. Peyton Manning started playing and retired and got inducted in the Hall of Fame in inside of Brady's playing career. Um, and some other people have done that too, like have started playing played like Peyton played like 18 years I felt like retires serves the five-year wait and then gets elected in the Hall of Fame inside of Brady's playing career um think about it when Big Ben Rosenberger came in the league in 04 Brady had his second Super Bowl and was winning a third I mean it's just that level of um, a level of sustained excellent level of play even this year he's gonna finish second in the MVP voting uh, he spoke about it before that he doesn't want to be there on a Sunday and look over and say, man, I'm better than that guy. And he's still playing and I'm here, you know, and I'm not. So that was something I want to say. If it's up to Giselle, he's gone. He would have been gone five, six years ago. If it was up to Giselle. Uh, they probably after the Falcon Super Bowl, Giselle would have said, all right, we're done. You know, like uh, apparently when they got together, Tom told him I'm to go play three to five, three or three or four or five more years. But that was like eight, nine years ago. So like I said, after that Falcon Super Bowl, Giselle would have been said, all right, Tommy, we're out the door. Um, and he's admitted it. She's asked him, what do you, well, why are you still playing? Like, what do you have left to prove? He doesn't know. Man in the Arena, his 10-part documentary, the 10th episode got stopped and delayed. I believe it was because they were going to put Super Bowl footage in there. That the plan was, okay, we're going to make a playoff run. They win the Super Bowl that the 10th episode will chronicle the 10th Super Bowl appearance because all the man of the arenas are centered around one of the Super Bowl appearances. So he's got nine episodes out so far. The ninth, the ninth episode was the most recent Super Bowl run, which is the one with Tampa. And the goal would be, I think, the 10th episode would be to be the 10th Super Bowl appearance. It got delayed to April. Now, this could be a retirement episode. Who knows? But, and it would be very Brady-esque to not tell anybody. And then in man of the arena, boom, he retires. Because he came in quietly as a six-round pick, man in the arena special, 10th episode, and it starts off with, hi, my name is Tom Brady, and I'm officially retiring from the NFL, and that would be how it ends. You know, like, it's the episode, his last season, his last run, 
talks about his career, everything he's accomplished, and then boom. And he just finishes with, I'm officially retired from the NFL, end of the episode, off to the sunset. And then we see him, and then we see him again in five years um, at the Hall of Fame. So it, it would be the end of an era. Like I said, I don't know what time where Brady's not the quarterback of a football team. I was born in 97. I think he took over in 99, 2000. So I don't, I don't know a time consciously where Tom Brady was not a quarterback in the NFL. It would be really weird to see Tom Brady not in the NFL. Think about the amount of changes that we've seen. I mean, multiple franchises <laughs> were created in Tom Brady's uh, tenure. So it would be a very interesting time to not see Tom Brady as um, the starting quarterback of an NFL football team. It was weird not seeing him in the Patriots jersey to begin with. But now not seeing him as an NFL football quarterback at all would just be mind-blowing. But, you know, it had to happen eventually. Just mind-boggling in and of itself. If it, if it is over, greatest football player ever, in my opinion. Undisputed. Definitely undisputed. Best quarterback ever. Um, if he's got one more run in him, let's enjoy it. Um, but all in all, what an amazing career. What an amazing football life. But that is all we have for today. Again, huge news out of Louisiana. Mobile sports betting is live. I've already placed, I've already placed several bets, um, including the picks I have in Jack's pack, which is Chiefs over Bengals minus seven and Rams over 49ers minus three and a half. Um, so definitely jump on that. I hope you guys have a great rest of your weekend. This is your host, Justin Jackson, signing out.